Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Mike Horner. And I'm Rob Enough. And as you've heard, the man, the myth, the legend, the, the uh, sole proprietor, if you will, of War Room Hobbies here in Memphis, Tennessee. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's War Room, baby. All day. So what we're here to do tonight is we're going to chat about the Siege World event coming up in August. We've had lots of questions and lots of interest, and we really wanted to just give you the details, and then more importantly, give you the COVID details. What are we doing to address the, the situation that we find ourselves in? How are we going to handle all this this madness? But we'll get to that. First up, let's chat about the hobby. Um, do you hobby? I, I, I haven't seen you hobby. I, I heard you hobby. I, I am I have hobbied. I actually hobbied a lot last week. I built uh, a box of tank war starter for uh, Germans uh, for Warlord Games, and I also built uh, I think about six or seven characters for uh, Warhammer 40k that I've got one of my buddies uh, working on for me too. Now that I've handed them off to him, a couple uh, big conversions. Uh, for my custom uh, army, which has been uh, deleted as Games Workshop does every few years. Let's jump in and talk about Ninth Edition. What what are you you know? Obviously, we're not a 40k show, but 40k getting a new edition is always a big thing. Eighth Edition moving from seventh and eighth was a big thing because it was a re- complete reset, right? Yeah. Like we're gonna get rid yeah. of all these extra books and we're gonna all you know clean it up. We're not gonna have all this extra crap. Did they? It, it did for a while, right? I mean, I th- yeah, they did for a little bit. It, it was the whole idea was. Like eighth edition, seventh edition. Uh, I think to play my army at one time, I had like six books, um, and so that was not fun. And uh, so going into eighth, we uh, we got to the point now where we got our rule book, we have our Space Marine book, then you have your book for your particular Space Marine chapter, and then heaven forbid you have an ally, then you need their book. And now they've got uh, Psychic Awakenings, which is basically their way of adding like three or four units to every army. And so you've got that book. Um, And, oh, it's not one book. My bad. It's six different Psychic Awakening books. In fact, one of them releases tomorrow. But you're a local, friendly local gaming store owner. So this must make you excited. Oh, yeah. I love it. uh, Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I get what they're doing. It it definitely helps out the local stores because it keeps revenue coming through and things like that. But I will say as a gamer, you're more in the mindset like, holy cow, let me give me a book. Let me play it. And I'm cool with the new edition, though. Like the new edition part doesn't phase me at all. Like I really believe like it's better for the game if a new edition rolls out about every four to five years Uh, because it just gets to the point where like one or two armies just dominate. And you can only FAQ so many things until the thing you FAQ'd three years ago is no longer even good in its original form. Uh, but it still has been nerfed because it was really good for that, you know, Adepticon tournament or, you know, any event that somebody went to that had 50 or 60 players and just steamrolled. So I think it's good. Yeah. No, there's some there's some interesting things. I like some of the stuff they're doing with terrain. Yeah. 
Yeah. Look, they're thinking outside the box, which is a good thing. We'll just see. I mean, I think the, the general concern that I would have is if I was really invested in that game, I've got all these books. How long are these books good for <laughs> before I had to start replacing them again? Because that was the thing that used to drive me crazy with Warhammer Fantasy is, you know, you're constantly just churning through stuff. And that is, I mean, like it used to be, I mean, I've been playing 40K since like second edition and it used to be you bought a codex and that codex lasted for like six or seven years. Like unless it was a mainstay like Marines, which you just expected that to get updated every two or three years minimum. Um, now they've said that all the codexes that we have today, as well as the books that we have today, all are going to are going to rotate right in ninth edition. And so I don't know if we're back to some of the old ways. Like when I read the terrain rules and I read some of the rules they're going back to, it's it's almost like they're going back like four or five editions and bringing some stuff back. Um, which I think is good. And then as long as, you know, we get a codex like once a quarter for different armies, I think that's doable. I mean, I think that's realistic to say, hey, another book's going to drop, you know, every three months for an army because that'll keep stuff fresh and exciting. But, um, man, if they do a, if they do a fast hit where, you know, we've got a book every two weeks, yay for the retail side, but, oh, for the gamer. <laughs> so. I think the difficulty is that in that format you kind of have to have if you want to be competitive i think you kind of oh, yeah. have to have all the books i mean kings of war and warmer hordes and some of those games it's like here's the book with all the armies and then you yes. put out occasional books that have updates for all the armies uh so obviously there's less books but in that gw format you're just you, i mean if you're going to be competitive i assume you have you have to buy the books yeah you definitely have to buy the books they're coming out with an app um, I think similar to their Age of Sigmar app, that's going to give you some information there too. So we'll kind of see how that goes. Um, but I'm not an app guy. Like I have to have a physical book. I, I own a lot of the PDFs for the Mantic games, but I end up just, I want to drag my hard copy book to the game store and put it on the table and f- open to the page and just leave it open. And here's the scenario we're playing, whatever. Just, just easier for me. I'm old school, man. No, for sure. I mean, people whine about the books. They're like, oh, you need to get a PDF. I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to hand over my, you know, $800 iPad to you. Like, I'd rather hand you the $40 book. Like, you know. If you lose the <laughs> you book, that's that easily works. replaceable. <laughs> yeah, you drop my iPad, it's going to be, hmm, I don't know if we're playing this game now. <laughs> so when are we going to get you to play Kings of War? You've talked about it. Well, I, You're selling all these Mantic models, but yet you're not buying any of them. What's what's going on I that? tell you what. Well, you, you we are hoping. We are hoping. I I felt really good going into uh, February that the shop was on pace. Uh, you know, now we've got four employees. We've got a lot of good stuff going on. I thought we were in a good spot where I could take a step back and uh, actually get into more of just the gaming aspect instead of the running aspect. But obviously, you know, uh, 2020 happened and it said uh, shut the door on that thought process. So. Let's touch on that a little bit. You know, obviously COVID affects everybody. How does you know, how did it affect the store? You know, we had a really good run. Um, we were growing sales month over month, really, really strong for, especially for a new retail location. You know, and I have the more of the retail mindset than just a game shop, but from a retail strategy, we were growing really well. Um, we went into March with everything going on and obviously we, we definitely took a hit. Fortunately, we had not really opened ourselves up to like an online business. Um, and so it kind of pushed our hand, right? It made us hit fast forward on some things I didn't want to do for probably the first year. 
so that I could focus on the community aspect. Um, so we were able to pull that lever, which a lot of shops I think had already been using that lever to stay alive. We had not, we, we had shut down my eBay business, um, in July of 2019, the month before I opened the shop, just so I could focus on the store, the community. And so we had two employees that decided that they did not want to continue working during the process. So we didn't, we didn't fire anybody. We didn't furlough anybody. Uh, basically one of them was in a position where they could stay home cause they didn't really have like what I would call adult bills. Um, you know, they were a part-time empl- employee who basically had a second job who, gave them money to stay home and they were like, I'm good. The other one wasn't the, uh, the, the, uh, the lead moneymaker of the household and basically was working at the shop to help me out. And, uh, he had agreed. He's like, I don't need to do anything. My kids are going to be at home anyway. So I'll just stay home with, with her. And, uh, set left me with one employee that really, you know, was the only one making money to feed himself, right? Like take care of his housing, take care of his car, take care of feeding himself. So we were in a good spot where I could basically continue paying him his regular wage to keep the store going through curbside pickup, um, through online sales, and then some some limited hours for in-store shopping. And so we were actually able, according to uh, – I'm, I'm lucky in my day job in that I, I work with the, the city government's uh, – regularly so really finding all the rules of what we could and couldn't do allowed us to stay open um we just had to shut down obviously the gaming area the hobby area stuff like that um and then limit the people that came to the store what's nice about a game store is if you're not really playing games or hobbying you know this you're really only there to chit chat for maybe 20 30 minutes and you're out Mm -hmm. and so we never at one time i think i think one time when i was there uh, or on videos that I was able to count, we had, I think, five people in the shop, which is a 4,000-square-foot shop. So we've got plenty of space to spread around. Uh, but it kept us afloat. Uh, it actually it, it mirrored really like our second month of being open sales-wise. So it didn't really kill us. Um, we got, obviously, a lot of support. We were, we were right out of the gates to uh, get some government support, too that if you follow all the guidelines the way you're supposed to got the paperwork turned it in. So we got all the small business support and it's looking like we will probably be in a good spot to where we won't have to pay back all of the money because we're using it for the right things, right? We're using it for payroll, using it for our rent. We're not using it to just stash away cash. We used it to pay people throughout this whole process. Um, and then to make sure we brought everybody back. And, and fortunately for us, we were able to bring everybody back um, who wanted to come back. And then we actually hired two additional people um, who are now training in the shop right now, now that we're back open for uh, somewhat regular business. So what is something that you had, uh, you know, as you're going through this COVID process that you, you know, you, you learned that you're going to continue to apply to the business going forward? You know, I think the biggest thing is just keeping the communication up with everybody and and balancing the different personalities, right, which is tough anyway for a game shop. Um, But it's also just, you know, the aggressive opinions of everybody in the whole situation, Um, making sure that you just stay consistent in what it is that you say is your policy and just be really careful how you waver from that. Um, but then also open yourself up for other opportunities, right? Like, you know, if people give you ideas on what they'd like to see, you take what you can and, and run with the rest. Um, again, I think, you know, looking at what we did just right out the gates when this all hit, you know, it makes me kind of second guess, you know, should I have hired somebody 
you know, from day one and just kept the online business going? Um, probably. Yeah. I mean, looking at how, how well we're doing right now and it's still, you know, debatable, right? Cause we had plenty of stock. I think one of the great things was mm-hmm. we had really stocked up on a ton of different manufacturers right before this happened. And that carried us through, right? Like that we cleared off probably about a third of our shelves uh, with our online sales. And had we not invested so heavily before the COVID uh, pandemic hit, we wouldn't have had those, those stocks to actually do. So, you know, one of the things we're going back through now is, you know, we're starting with our lead sales products and we're saying, Hey, I want two of everything that company carries in stock, whether that's on the shelf or at least in the back of the shop so that we have it available online. Right. And so we've started with one manufacturer working on the second and third manufacturer right now, trying to get their list figured out. Um, and then we're going to keep plugging ahead. We're going to open up our online website um, in July so that we can direct a lot of our eBay customers to that so that we can try to forego that big eBay uh, tax hit that that uh, they like to give you. But try to redirect some people that way, which um, has been really beneficial just through email. But just getting things like that off the ground is, is really important. And then just being able to swivel, right? Like, you know, we were very focused on the in-store gaming aspect and not that we've lost that, but, you know, just swivel to whatever we need to do to, to keep it profitable. Yeah, and I think it'll come back, the in-store gaming. But, you know, even now, you know, some of us are playing in-store. And there's some people that were playing with us before that, you know, either they just have whatever their circumstances are, they just don't feel comfortable playing in in person which i get but hopefully down the road as we continue to uh you know come out come out come in come out of this recovery you know uh we'll get more and more players back and so just to kind of sum up you know what's the community support been for the store through this whole process it's been really strong um we've only had a handful of people really like challenge us on you know just even being open uh, so that's, that's, that's good. And well, you know, I can have those conversations all day with people to try to understand why, but from uh, just supporting the shop, it's been great, right? Like people understand that the issues we've had with getting certain inventory in, um, we've had a lot of people still continue to press on and, and buy new armies and things like that. You know, we probably have, you know, our membership at the shop is up to, I think about 60 people. And out of those members, I would say that, that first big month where nobody was doing anything, those members really came out of the woodwork, right? And they were they were buying new armies, right? Like and not, you know, just one or two things. I mean, we had some people who dropped, you know, hundreds of dollars out of some of their government money they got just to start a new army. And that's what they said. They're like, you know, I know you need it, so I'm gonna start a new army. And if I didn't have this stuff in stock, they said, I'm gonna prepay, right? I'm gonna prepay so that you can when you can get it, it'll come in. And so folks like that really have helped out. And, you know, you, you kind of bank that away with some of those individuals, you know, to make sure that those are some of the folks you take care of. Right. And that's the whole point of why we do our membership is so that we can do our best to take care of the ones that are taking care of the shop on a regular basis. Absolutely. And, you know, I know for Kings of War, we've pretty much pivoted away from Kings of War for right now. The folks want to play Vanguard. So we're, we're playing Vanguard. Not a game I had historically played very much. Yeah, I know. Saturday, I, didn't you like get worked over pretty hard on Saturday by uh, somebody who never played? Yeah, well, to be fair, yes. <laughs> but it was my first time with Trident Realms. Uh, yes. <laughs> nice. So are we rematching his uh, his list again? Are you guys going to do it again? If, if he decides to show up and uh, take his beating like a man, 
uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think we'll, we'll definitely play. So, and then maybe that's something we need to get you into because, you know, Kings of War, you, you know, big armies and we know you don't have it in you to paint that kind of, that many models, but maybe you can, maybe you can paint 12 models. Oh, I can definitely paint 12 models. Yeah. I, I think it, I think it's doable. I think, uh, the one thing, uh, Mantic needs to put in their boxes is instructions on how to build their models. It's funny you say that. For the longest time, I've been like, a, my opinion's been, well, not a lot of companies do, right? You do have it with uh, Star Wars Legion. You do have it with GW. But a lot of the other companies, it's hit or miss. Well, I put together some Thule models, okay? And they're a resin. And basically, the torsos have like one leg, and there's one leg that's separate. Well, I've got three torsos in front of me, all needing right legs. And there's three different right legs, and you're and I'm and I'm sitting here playing Tetris to figure out which one goes with which. So that's an example. Yes, I I think at some point, even if they don't include it in the box, they should have a link to a website where they can either have a video or something to just point me in the right direction. Because they're awesome models once they're assembled, but the process was making me infuriated. You know, yeah. trying to get those things together. Uh, so yeah, no, I for sure. Like just lay the models out on a table and put them like in the general area where they should fit together and just take a picture of that, put it on your website. I'm good. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really the resin stuff because the, the plastic stuff, yeah. they, they, they actually label the things A, B, C, D, whatever. So the plastic dead zone, the plastic Kings of war, you know, I, that I don't have an issue because I can read that the resin stuff, you know, Hellfane's got just a, crap ton of pieces i think some instructions are probably overdue for that so what what are some other things you'd like to see them do changes improvements you know i think that's really hard to say like not being in the game from an outsider perspective i mean i think they're doing a lot of really cool stuff i, I will say when i looked at kings of war about it was probably about three or four years ago um when we were when we tried to get a kings of war thing going when i was still up in st louis the one thing that that got me kind of looking at it cross-eyed was their model range i'm not gonna lie i was like these look a little goofy but their new stuff man it looks really cool so um i feel like they've definitely stepped up their game on the cool factor uh for a lot of their models um and so i feel like they're doing a lot of the stuff right i think the new the new rules like i actually did read the rules uh because i have a book and I, i i played like three games so you know, I'm like almost an expert, like I'm almost right. pro. Yeah, uh, for sure. So now I can't remember what I actually did in those games, but I played, so it was good. But um, no, I mean, it, it's it's really hard for me to, to pinpoint those things. Like I, I like the mechanics of the game in the sense that it's not overly complicated, but when I've watched people play, there are a lot of nuances that players can kind of adapt to their own styles that makes in a very competitive game if it wants to be. So I really like games like that. So I feel like as long as they stay with that mentality, I think they're going to be in a good spot where I think it's a game that I could enjoy. Um, Because that is what kind of bothers me about some of the games that I've played my whole life is that it seems like they just continually get more and more complicated to play. And while, you know, a 20-year-old version of myself had the time and the patience, the 38-year-old version of myself with four kids, I don't have time to like go read all this crap about all these other armies just to make sure that when I show up, it's not like, oh, cool, I lost the game because I just didn't know that that did that. That's fantastic. I just wasted two hours. 
So um, I think as long as they keep on that pace, I think it's going to be a great game. Um, I think the other side of it too is just uh, inventory, man, right from now, put on a retail hat, you know, just getting inventory to us faster, uh, getting products, you know, really rolling. Um, I understand we got a lot of stuff going on with COVID, but you know, there's uh manufacturers like, you know, Mantic, Mantic's not alone in this. You got fantasy flight games and a couple others that just have a difficult time keeping things in stock. And, and that was prior to all this stuff going on. And so that's a difficult part when you're trying to get a new group of people into a game or a new group going, it's like, here's my stock regular on the shelf. Awesome. It looks good. Now more people are getting the game. Uh, crap. It's going to take like a month before we'll actually have the stuff you want. Dang it. So I, I think that's a challenge. You know, one of the things that helps us with, uh, one of our main games is that I order it on, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday and I get it by Thursday or Friday. Right. And so that's really helpful if you're trying to drive a community, drive a dedicated night so that people know, Hey, if I order it the night when I come up to play, then I'll have it next week. So I think doing stuff like that's going to be, you know, huge. Awesome. Well, let's take a quick commercial break. And on the other side, we're going to get in and we're going to chat about Siege World. So we'll be right back. I am the U.S. Masters champion, Patrick Zora Allen, and you're listening to Counter Charge. Welcome back, guys. We are going to get started talking about Siege World 2020, our 16th year. Dive in and talk about the history a little bit. All I really know is it's a long-running event, and it's in the St. Louis region. When did it get started? How long has it been running? Have you guys had different locations? Just give me the skinny on all that. Yeah, definitely. So Siege World's been around for uh, 16 years. Um, We had a one-year hiatus amongst those 16 years, so it's been a continual effort. It got started um, originally as just Floor Apocalypse before Apocalypse ever was a thing from GW standards. Um, So, you know, GW has a really good job, like other companies, to kind of pick up on what the community does and then kind of make it their own. But uh, we started playing on the floor at UMSL University originally. Um, we had a couple guys that were able to get us free space to do that. And then it moved its way into a couple rec centers. So at one time we were using an ice skating rink without the ice. Uh, so they melted down for us in the summer and we'd get in there and we'd play across the floor. Um, and we'd be moving stuff with brooms and, you know, having a 40 to 50 foot long fortress and, you know, back in the days when we would have to create our warlord titans out of styrofoam or MDF uh, cut boards and things like that. And uh, at one point, we set the world record for an APOC game at 400,000 points. And then a couple years later, uh, there was a group that broke that record out in Europe. And then a year after that, a group broke that uh, record in California. And uh, so we've had this continual game of trying to just get new players where it's where it was just bring your whole collection right so it was a full day we'd get there friday night set up all of our stuff then we play all day saturday um no no competitive thought process in these games right it was literally every yeah the literally our rule was from the first year i came was everything is going to die no one is going to win this game so if you're discussing a rule for longer than like two minutes, like just take every, take it all off the board. Like it's all dead, right? Like you've, you've, you've hit the pause button on fighting that someone else bombed you basically. So, um, and it was just a really fun casual event. And so, uh, Siege World was doing its thing. 
for a few for uh, more most of the years, right? So about year twelve, I think it was. I had actually been running a lot of the local events for 40K, uh, dating all the way back to 2006, right, in St. Louis. So I was really the Games Workshop Warhammer guy, Warhammer 40K guy um, from 2006 until really 2014, uh, where I ran tournaments in basically like three different stores in the St. Louis area. Uh, we worked our way up. I took over a GT that was happening in, uh, funnily enough, uh, Collinsville, Illinois, where, where we're at this year uh, for Siege World. But I took over an event out there. Um, had a little clashes with the guy who was running the overall convention where basically it was like, you know, one of those things where, hey, my people are paying you like $50 for this event and we're getting back like $5 to actually put on the event. Um, and so – approached the guys at siege world who at that point i was just a participant like i just thought it was cool right like i remember i went to my first siege world and i'm thinking i got the biggest army i got the baddest stuff i'm gonna be amazing i'm gonna destroy everything i get there and when i tell you you know in, in kings of war terms right like size of armies and things like that relatively points wise right like i probably had like ten thousand points of painted stuff and I thought I was just going to go there and bust some heads. I show up and I'm like the smallest force in the entire game. And so this just becomes an arms race, right? I think from year one that I went to year three, I think I went from 10,000 points to like 80,000 points of 40K. You know, one of our rules was it had to be painted. So it was definitely an arms race where, you know, I was just spending money like crazy. This is before I had kids and uh, could do such things um but yeah i approached them after running some uh, gts and, and things like that and said hey is there a way that we can bring these events together um and so uh kurt damon and um patrick o'donnell were the main guys for siege world at that time and and they were getting a little getting a little up there a little long in the tooth and they were more than happy to hand over the reins for somebody else to kind of organize and plan uh, the overall event by simply letting us add in a tournament, right? So we added in a tournament that had, that had since grown from 16 to 25 to 42, um, players over the three year span that I had been running it. And we tacked it onto the APOC game, right? And so our first year where we brought everything together, we were able to get about 50 players, uh, we were able to get about 12 or 16, you know, Age of Sigmar. And then we actually even had, I think, a bolt action event, too, that had like 10 players. And so uh, we just kind of built up that mentality of, you know, trying to make this a real convention type atmosphere. And so we spent two years in a, in a rec center in North St. Louis. It's actually the funny thing is it's where I grew up. So I'm originally from St. Louis. I had moved away for about six years. Then I moved back. But I'd actually grown up like three miles from where we had we ran the event um, for a few years, and it was really nice. They had they had done they had done a complete remodel of this rec center, um, like water park, everything in North St. Louis, which is a lot different than where we're at down in Memphis, where like no city has anything like these. Um, but like in St. Louis, it's like every municipality has like a rec center with four basketball courts, volleyball courts, and almost like a water park. There's like 10 of them in St. Louis. Um, 
but like this place got this all set up and they were like, here's the deal. We'll give it to you for cheap. We just need people to start renting out this place on the weekends. And so that really helped us kind of get our footing and grow the event in that atmosphere. Um, until we eventually grew. And last year we, uh, we went from only having about 75, 80 people to about 140 last year. And so that's where we moved to the gateway center. That's in uh, Collinsville, Illinois, which we still call siege world a St. Louis thing because legitimately where we're at now is still closer than to St. Louis city proper than we've ever been with our other venues who happen to be in North St. Louis or, you know, South St. Louis or, you know, St. Charles County, you know, St. Louis is very different in the fact they call everything St. Louis, even though St. Louis is literally like a little, maybe 10 by 10 mile radius space, uh, in that corner. So, um, it's all considered the, the County of St. Louis, but, um, so now we're at this gateway center and we're really fortunate. They've got a bunch of hotels that are basically in the parking lot, you know, so we're a lot of people are like, Oh, are you connected to a hotel? It's like, well, we're not connected, but legitimately you literally walk across a Walmart sized parking lot and you're back at your hotel. Well, let's get into some of the details for Kings of War. Uh, the event itself is August 22nd through 23rd. It's a two day event. It's five games. Here's where it gets a little crazy. It's 1905 points. Yes, I said 1,905 points. Um, but when you look at the tournament pack, the player pack, you'll notice that you're going to get a free 90-point war engine. I won't go into the details here. It's, it's spelled out in, in the player pack. So really, you're playing 1995. Um, for those that have come to the previous three Blue Sea Brawls, Siege World will be a very different thing. For those that haven't been to Blue Sea Brawl, Blue Sea Brawl is a narrative hobby-focused tournament. And uh, it's about camaraderie and big soft scores. And uh, essentially, what, I, what we're trying to do with Siege World is we want it to be a little bit more of a competitive thing. So you're going to see a smaller contribution overall from soft scores. Uh, and, and we're trying some new stuff, provided we can get it all finished, to have things like you know equal terrain and layouts on all the tables each round. And, and every round, uh, it, it, it'll rotate, but all the tables will be the same. So... We're just trying something different, you know. Historically, uh, here in in Memphis, Blue City Brawlers, we've always done more hobby focused events, and we're just trying something different. So, uh, nineteen hundred five points, we think is going to be different. So, uh, we will have a link to this player pack in the show notes. You can head over there. As Mike did mention, it's going to be at the Gateway Center in Collinsville, Illinois. Uh, which is across the Mississippi from St. Louis. And it is going to be a Midwest and a Mountain Regional Masters qualifier. So, yeah, yeah that'll be fun if for those that, that, that care about that kind of stuff. Come and get your points. Um, we'll have a link to, link to the show notes for the website for registration and information, but it's gatewaygamers.com. That's how you can get to the website to do registration. Um, and then there's a Facebook website, uh, a Facebook group, facebook.com slash gateway gamers. Um, that's a great site to go and just look at old pictures from other events in previous years. You can get a feel for the type of stuff that you, you, you would typically see here. Now I say that with a caveat, this year's different, Mike, <laughs> we yeah. got COVID, right? So it's different. I know right now we have, it's $30 for the Kings of War tournament. And at some point that's going to go up, right? The registration costs. Yeah. It'll probably go up 10 bucks. We're kind of pushing that back. Um, we're leaving stuff discounted right now while we're still in this kind of limbo stage right. uh, to make sure people know, hey, 
you know, we're going to refund everybody all their money if something is to, is to happen. And what I've been basically telling anybody who messages me about it is if something happens, we haven't locked down the Gateway Center is owned by the city. They're going to pull our money that we pay now. They're going to float it over to next year. We're, we're making sure that whatever we spend out of pocket right now is can be reused for next year. So there's no like one use only items we're spending money on. So we're fully funded. We're not we're not we're not using the money that we're getting from people today to pay a deposit. We're completely funded. Fortunately, there's a few of us that know going into this that we're just going to lose money like we do it every year. We just give that money away. You're not doing it to make money. No. Yeah. So it's 30 bucks though. I mean, that's not, a, that's not a huge investment for a two day GT. Um, so if you haven't signed up, please do. We, we are capping the event at 20 players. Is that right, Mike? Yeah. Right now it is going to be capped at 20 players and we'll kind of discuss the reason for that as we talk about what's going on with, uh, the COVID precautions. Actually, let's just jump right in and let's talk about COVID. It's obviously impacting this year's event. I know you and the folks that are running Siege World have spent a lot of time, researching, understanding the Illinois Department of Public Health Resort Illinois plan, essentially the the, the COVID recovery plan, if you will, for the state of yeah. Illinois. So basically what's going on in Illinois is they are not going to get into phase four until sometime in July, right? And so what, what phase four is for Illinois is you're only allowed to have 50 uh, people in any type of venue or event that's taking place in the state of Illinois. Today, we're capping the overall event at 100 players for the whole Siege world in general. Now, some things that we're working on, some things that we have available to us is the space that we're renting today uh, is able to be divided up into separate rooms, right? And so while there is that 50-player or 50-person requirement of the max number, um, we are going to be able to separate people out by the events that they're playing with a couple general areas that you'll be able to see um, what everybody else is doing. Uh, but we're going to partition off the different tournaments. And so what that allows to do as we are working with the venue today is we're trying to get additional space that what we wouldn't have used in the past, we're trying to add additional space. So as we're able to negotiate that happening, we are going to be able to grow that 100 players across all systems uh, in increments of 50. And we'll be separating everybody out that way. And then when we say 50 players, it's not just you know 50 guys playing the games. It's 50 players, 50 people in the room. So your judges, anybody who's helping the judging, anybody who's live streaming, anybody who's any vendors, right? If you're in the room, you count. Yeah, if you're in the room, you count. So right, so... If there's a guy who's going to be going around emptying the trash for the facility, he's going to hit us for a person, right? So one of us will have to step out if, if an employee of the venue is coming in. Um, and so we're working with them right now on, you know, not just how do you separate the rooms, but also how do we configure out the tables? You know, so in years past, we've, we've always had a six-foot distance butt to butt, right? So when you turn around, there's usually somebody who's not going to be any closer table to table about six feet. So obviously we've got to push that out probably another couple feet um, so that your backs are going to be uh, six feet away from each other. And then the way we've always set up tables, though, is that our tables have always actually been five feet from each other. Right. So we take two, you know, 30 inch tables, folding tables, we push them up against each other. So you create a five foot distance. Right. So we're going to basically make everybody cognizant. You already have five foot distance. So as you're playing, you know, it's going to be player responsibility there 
to stay, to be able to stay, you know, far enough away. Right. And then we'll have the space between tables, which again, in the past, we've always ran anywhere from two to four feet uh, with the long edges of the tables uh, with some carryover um, so that you have places to put your stuff. So relatively, most of our tables have always been about five feet apart um, on the, on the short ends. And so we're going to be carrying that through. We're working with the diagrams on how does that work out again, both from our standpoint as well as player responsibility is keeping yourself, you know, we're going to give you the space to be six feet apart and some, but obviously players got to take some responsibility. Cause even if I put 10 feet between tables, players, you know, if not careful are going to get close to closer to each other than the six foot rule. Um, and so we'll have that, we'll have masks, we're going to have hand sanitizers set up. Uh, we're also going to be doing temperature checks at the door, right? So we're not thermometering your tongue or anything like that. So we've got the wireless ones. What we'll do is we'll have everybody coming in from one exterior door, uh, which is conveniently located right off the parking lot and closest to the hotels. But we'll have one person that's just going to stand there and scan everybody to make sure nobody's got a temperature, anything like that. We'll post something up about a week out that says, hey, if you've got these symptoms or anything else, you know, let us know. And then we'll, we'll get you taken care of or squared away if you've got a reason why you can't attend um, and things like that. So we'll have masks that we're going to be putting in all the gamers bags. You know, you know, instead of getting maybe that conversion bit set that we've given out in the past because some of our some of our sponsors have uh, taken some hits with all this. You're going to get a mask, right? So uh, depending on how well we do with tickets and things like that and how much lead time we have will depend on the on the uh, coolness factor of the masks. <laughs> right. Uh, but right. you're at least going to have a mask uh, to use uh, for the weekend. That'll, that'll, that'll make you feel safe, right? And so we're going to ask players to wear those during games to the best of their ability. I think it goes into even more so that social contract with whoever you're playing, right, and saying, you know, you got. You guys have to determine how you're going to play your game. Um, we're going to do the best we can to give you guys the space that you need to be safe um, and ensure that we're not putting anybody in a situation where they might be in harm's way. It's the responsible thing to do, right? And obviously we should mention that this is all subject to change. If there's additional requirements put on us by the, uh, the state, we're going to follow them. Whatever they tell us to do, we're going to do. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's a government-owned building, and, and that's really what I've, what I've told everybody. As I've had multiple people ask me questions, I mean, the crazy thing is, is uh, I will say to any listener, right? If you're planning to attend the event or you have questions that will that prohibit you from attending the event, feel free to send me a message, right? My information is all over the website. Now, if you're some guy who has no intention of attending the event and you just want to ask a bunch of questions, to ask a bunch of questions, you know, may, maybe you could just relax, right? We've had a couple of those that I'm just like, I don't even know who you are. And you've never been to one of my events. Are you coming? Oh, no. And then I literally have spent 30 minutes going back and forth answering every question they had. Um, and so we'll definitely you know, clear up any, many, any understandings that you guys want to have and, and, and get uh, you, to, you to feel comfortable uh, attending the event. Or if it, if it happens to where this isn't you know, the best event for you to come to. And I will say that, too. You know, We've advised people at the shop, right, is there are some people who should not be attending events right now there's people who have health issues things like that you know some of our regular people that come into the shop today have immune deficiencies and they've sent yeah. me messages like hey man i feel really bad i have in the shop and i'm like okay don't feel bad like there's you could die and then there's rolling dice like 
make a decision that's best for you. We've missed Devlin, but yeah, we'll see him in six months when when you know hopefully this thing is past us. Um, I'm falling apart. Hi, I'm 27 years young, and I'm going on 42. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that, and that's the thing. Everybody's got to make the decision that's best for them, and we're going to take every precaution that we can. Um, and you know, and what we're hoping we're hoping is that the venue makes a good decision and says, hey. We're going to keep your price at this point. We're going to give you additional space because we've lost a lot of our events. And, you know, maybe we'll have plenty of room to move a lot of these numbers up while also keeping everybody um, in a safe position where we're all able to have a really good time. So, And and I'll reiterate, you know, we've got the number at 20. It could potentially go up, but I I can tell you right now, it's not going to go above 30 because <laughs> I don't I don't want to have to haul all those tables up there. So, guys, if you're going to come and play, please sign up. And you bring up a good point, too. Like one thing that we would ask is, as Rob mentioned earlier, you know, one, owning the shop, we're really trying to invest in this event for the future, um, creating more standardized terrain uh, for the game and things like that. And this is not just for Kings of War, but for each of our games. You know, one of the things that, you know, Rob knows is we took a big hit about two weeks ago. Uh, when uh, one of our Memphians uh, decided to uh, to borrow our trailer um, and and yet has uh, not returned it, that uh, happened to have uh, a bunch of our tabletops and uh, a few totes of our terrain and stuff like that for some of our events as well as some uh, of the shop uh, equipment. So you know we really we urge people to get those tickets in now. It's like we don't want to raise the price, you know, with a month left, but there has to be some incentive for people to sign up early so that we can make sure we have everything needed to make it an enjoyable event for everybody uh, that's attending. We have big plans for the future. So we know COVID is obviously impacting our ability to really go big this year, but going forward, the sky's the limit. We're here to stay, and we're planning to keep running in these events. Um, if it's a 20 person event or it's a 50 person event, I don't particularly care. I like both. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you won't, you only play five people. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. So for the, for the, for the player, you're playing five people either way, whether it's 20 people or it's a hundred. So we just got to make sure it's a good, enjoyable experience. And then also too, right? Like what I've noticed from the years of these events growing that I've done is that the more we grow, the more. I mean, I hate to say free stuff, right? But like in the past, we've seen other events grow to where I can literally be walking around and just throwing stuff at people because our vendors um, realize that it's advantageous for them to come. You know, one of our vendors, as much as I don't want to promote, you know, another store out there, you know, but Miniature Market, I, I've I've known this store since it basically got started, um, you know, in St. Louis, and they have consistently been there for us as an event, you know, as a, as even a new store myself and giving us at least something that everybody walks away with something, right? Like mm-hmm. you're going to go to this event, you're going to walk away with something. Now there's going to be years where there's going to be more some things you're going to walk away with and there's going to be years where there's going to be less, but everybody who walks in those doors is going to walk away with something that they can take home and use um, in some fashion. I know that's not the case for every tournament that people go to. I'm a big proponent of, it's not really about the the prize support, right? Yep. I always like the tokens and the dice and, and that kind of thing. Something or a reminder, if you will, of the event. So the same way, right? Like you, you and I both know, we, we obviously talk, you know, cause we see each other once a week minimum. There's events you go to where you're like, man, I spent a ton of money. And I don't have anything to show that I went to this event. We're we're probably from our regular player base. I mean, we're up to I think about 
I want to say we're almost at about 65 players from our regular player base that have already paid. And typically right. we don't get to 80 until July on a good year. Right. So usually July 1st, we'll get to like 80, 85 players. And then, or at least I'm comparing to last year since we've grown year over year, but basically about 70% of our tickets are sold in the month of July, you know, up to that point. And then basically like the, the two weeks going into August, we'll sell the rest. So, but we're definitely, I think ahead of where I thought we'd be with all the stuff that's going on. Um, so it's a tough, it's a, it's a tough spot. It's re- it actually just really sucks. I mean, in all honesty with comparably like what's going on with the store and what's going on with siege world. It's like, ugh. imagine where we'd be if it wasn't for this. The only thing we can do is look to the future, right? Oh yeah. We're going to continue to grow this event. It's going to become a, you know, it's going to continue to be a thing and uh, it'll be what the players want. That's, that's my hope. I mean, especially for Kings of War, because, and and we've talked about this before, we tried to do Kings of War, uh, man, I think it was like three years ago. We actually designated, I think, 10 10 tables for Kings of War, and, you know, just, you know, nobody's fault. It just basically, between the TO having some issues, and then just not able to really tap into any really good player groups, I think we only were able to get like maybe eight or nine players to sign up. Um, but it, it, no fault to theirs. Like they're like, who the hell is Siege World? You know, you guys, we've never heard of you. Why would I invest and come and do an event when you guys have no history of running our stuff, right? Um, and so my goal is to try to add another fifty-person event to Siege World, right? Like my goal is to basically take over this whole convention center for our weekend. Obviously, St. Louis, the St. Louis region is capable of holding this size of event, right? It's kind of, I mean, especially from a Kings of War perspective, it's it's kind of like, man, a city like St. Louis, we should be able to put on a big show like this. And so. With especially the investment, I mean, I think that's one of the things, too, that makes Siege World really different is, you know, I mentioned earlier that we don't expect to make money off this event. It's it's more than just that, right? Like, it is, like, I think a lot of TOs is a labor of love. Um, I think a lot of groups have this though, where we're very fortunate that there is a handful of us who have for probably the last six or seven years been very willing to put up literally all of the money it takes to put the venue on so that we can then take all the ticket money that we get back and invest it into what players get to experience so that we're not, you know, taking away like, we reinvest every year into mats. We reinvest every year into terrain, right? So, like, if we get 20 Kings of War players, like, all that money will go towards Kings of War terrain for the tournament because we're not relying on it to backfill the coffer for us to, you know, get our money back. Now, obviously, every year we're like, man, I really hope next year we're, we're good to go. But then, you know, damn, we sold an extra 50 tickets and we got to buy 25 tables of terrain. That's a good problem to have. Yeah, our trailer got stole, so we got to replace the trailer. So, you know, stuff like that happens, but um, it's a it's a really cool thing that I'd love to continue to see grow, um, and then even expand upon. You know, I'm still trying to convince uh, convince you to get a tournament going in Memphis that we can really rock it out, bro. We just got to find a month. Yeah, the Blue Cedar Brawl. You know, it's been a small, intimate thing, and uh, hey, we all have delusions of grandeur at some point, right? Oh yeah, and I'm just a I'm a glutton for punishment. So 
you, you tell me we want to try to start something stupid in a different month outside of August or outside of opening. Because last year, you know, I thought it was a great idea. I think it was uh, August 15th we opened the shop. August uh, 22nd last year is when we uh, had Siege World. So the weekend before opening the, the store was uh, was uh, was definitely the, the best time to host a 140-person <laughs> event. That's right. Uh, That's six right. hours away. So it was great. Well, awesome. Any other thoughts about this year's Siege World? No, I mean, I think uh, I'm just really excited to see everybody. I mean, I think that's, you know, one of the things I'm looking forward to meeting new people, meet new friends. Um, it's one of the other reasons why we try to bring in these new events um, is so that I can get an opportunity to, you know, mingle with people. You know, my favorite part about this hobby is the people. And so as uh, folks give me trouble for not hobbying and not gaming, uh, legitimately my favorite part is just the hangout at atmosphere, right? So, uh, just wanting to bring people together and hopefully people can have a good time. Bring people to six feet. <laughs> yeah. Bring people to six feet. Uh, yep. Make it possible for them to get, uh, up to six feet. Well, I'm just excited about the opportunity to have, you know, an event again, right? Because we're coming out of this COVID thing. Some areas are still sheltered, you know, and it, it, you know, every place is different, but you know, I think where we are here in Memphis, it's, it's, we've seen a nice little turn. It's, it's moving in the right direction and I'm just, I'm excited to take the next step. Yep. Me too. And I think, and I think the step we're taking, the steps we're taking masks, temperature checks, all this things, extra space is all going to be, you know, it's all for the safety of the players and we want, you know, we want this to be a positive experience and then we will then leverage it next year. Hey, you had a great time in 2020? Just wait till 2021. Heck yeah. Well, awesome. I think that's going to do us tonight. And until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. Are you looking for your favorite tabletop games from Wizards of the Coast, Mantic, Warlord, Fantasy Flight, and more? Then check out War Room Hobbies located in Memphis, Tennessee. We carry all the best titles to suit your gaming needs, including Magic the Gathering, Historical, Sci-Fi, and Fantasy games. Our full line of Games Workshop products, generous gaming area, and competitive prices will make us your favorite place to go to war. Join us at the War Room. For more information, check us out at warroomhobbies.com.